Good evening and welcome to Geek Hard, right here on Reality Radio 101. And now, right to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome to Geek Card, where it's not a question, just a lesson learned in time. I'm your host, Andrew Young, and with me, as always, is Mr. Green. Hey, hey, hey. Hey, 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 indeed. Hey, 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 everyone. We got a great show for you tonight. Later on in the program, we'll be talking to Cara Martin, who's the host of Black Community Mixtapes, a uh, series that uh, aired on C- City TV this past fall and is available on the City TV app through Amazon Prime. Uh, we're also going to be giving our review of Madam Web. Let's leave it at that for now. And in just a few moments, you're going to get to hear the interview that we were hoping to bring you two weeks ago, but now we're bringing you tonight. Well, we got to talk with Geek Hard's guest of the year, Humberly Gonzalez, an amazing individual. We talk about all the really cool projects she's involved with that, uh, you know, that stretch out among the stars, maybe the Star Wars and the Star Trek. All the stars. All the stars. The all stars right yeah. here. Uh, but before we get into all of that, we got to take our first commercial break. So we're going to do that right now. And when we come back, you're going to hear our interview with Humberly Gonzalez, Geek Card's guest of the year, right here, Geek Card Reality Radio 101. Hey everybody, Jimmy the Short Order Cook here, asking you, what's better than listening to Geek Heart? Answer, listen to Geek Heart while wearing a Geek Heart t-shirt. And there's a place you can get them, at tpublic.com slash user slash Geek Heart. We got a bunch of great shirts there. We got Geek Heart shirts, we got a Mr. Green's Tasty Meat shirt, hell, we got a Back Issue Bloodbath shirt. For all your geek needs with your geek merch, you want to go to tpublic.com slash user slash geekart. I'm not just asking you. I'm telling you. Welcome back to Key Card right here on Reality Radio 101. And now back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome back to Key Card, folks. Andrew Young and Mr. Green here on a fabulous Friday night. This, actually, about a week ago, we got the chance to... Uh, have a nice long chat with Geek Hard's guest of the year, Humberly Gonzalez, um, talking about the many projects that she's involved in that are going to be upcoming throughout the year and some of the ones that have already come out as well. 
it's a fun conversation and we really had a good time and uh you might notice a trend with mr green in uh in this interview see if you can pick it out what it is uh let's take a listen to the interview right now welcome back to the program geek cards guest of the year humberly gonzalez <laughs> thank you Thank you for coming on uh, again. We always have fun when we talk with you. And last year we had such a good time talking with you. We had talks about strange dream you had about going to Bucharest. <laughs> we talked about your cameo at the time. We talked about some of your work on Ginny and Georgia and we finished off the interview. You said, you said there are big things happening that I can't talk about just right <laughs> yeah. yet. And little did I know that within the span of one year, not only would you be with Star Wars, but you'd also be with Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> so now you just yeah. got to get Marvel and you've read the trifecta of big name properties. Let's <laughs> go. I am so ready. <laughs> Has Star Trek section 31 begun filming? Yes. And uh, what's the vibe? How is it like with your new castmates for this particular production? Honestly, Dreamcast. And maybe I say that every single time because I've worked with so many lovely humans, but I got to say there's something about this cast that instantly clicked. Everyone is insanely talented. I feel like I'm right at home. This is the the type of people I want to be around, the energy, the hard work. It's an honor, honestly, to be a part of this, this beautiful franchise. And um, it's just, it's unreal. It's unreal to be a part of two of the most known worlds. I mean, the, these two franchises, everybody knows them. You know, even me growing up in Venezuela, I grew up with this. It definitely just, <laughs> I'm still kind of pinching myself. I'm not gonna lie. I'm like, just do the work and you're here, but holy crap, what? We started talking to you back uh, when you were on uh, Utopia Falls and, you know, yeah. like, and it's like, we, we've been talking to you now for a number of years and with people that are like yourself who are, you know, young and new into the industry and they're slowly growing their careers. And I always say like, you know, what kind of projects would you be working on and stuff like that? And what would you like to do? And you're living the dream now. Like you're literally living the dream. Like, as you said, you've got Star Wars and Star Trek. You've got all the stars. I got, got the stars. I belong amongst the stars. What can I say? <laughs> <laughs> You know, so they got to bring back Battle of the Network stars. There we go. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> so obviously you're working on two giant franchises. And I also know that obviously you are very limited. We can see the snipers, you know, off to the edge of the screen right now as we look at you here. Um, <laughs> starting with Star Trek Section 31, is there anything that you can talk about other than the fact that you're in the project? Yeah, that's it. That's it? Okay. We're listening. Um, I'm sure that, you know, we're still like, quite literally at the start of filming. So right. everything is very under wraps, but we're having a lot of fun. Might be best just to focus on the wars at the moment. Cause there is things we can talk about with that. Cause yeah. of course you, you were at Comic-Con this past year for the game. Uh, I was game, supposed right? to, oh, I was invited to, to San Diego Comic-Con. Unfortunately, the timing was awful because we were in an actor's strike right. and it happened quite literally like at midnight, uh, two days before I was supposed to fly out. And you know, my team and I discussed it and obviously with everything that happened with SAG and the Directors Guild and the writers, everybody, I think it was best to not have to promote work at that time and stand mm -hmm. there with solidarity because we all want to be compensated fairly and to be treated equally. And it was a very important part 
of the industry and everything that happened last year as difficult as it was not being there. Fingers crossed. I'm sure that there will be more and that I will yeah. be able to do conventions because I've never been. Star Wars Outlaws. A lot of people are talking about it. I can't wait till it comes out this year. Yeah. Tons of people are chomping on the bit. I'm pretty sure there's going to be a big convention like a San Diego Comic-Con that even after the game comes out is going to want to do a panel on this thing. Yeah. Because, of course, you know, you got to do mocap and everything for this, and it's such an interesting character, a K-Vess. It feels very much like a female version of a Han Solo. You got this rogue-type character. But you also have, like, the companion Nyx. And what was it like working with the puppeteer playing Nyx for the shooting? It's amazing. I mean, some clips have been revealed when you get to see kind of the meet KVS and and we we showed a bit of that that there is an actual puppeteer for Nix and I'm so glad that that was able to happen because more often than not especially when you're doing motion capture we don't really have a set it's all made out of like wood and foams and markers there's a lot of creation in your mind and a lot of characters that are not real people they're just tennis balls with a marker or or something like that you know you're just kind of really creating it in your mind but for this one because nix is literally family nix is a reflection of k in so many ways it was alive you know he had to be alive and i'm so glad that someone was able to bring that life to him and we could actually interact because we have so many scenes together and so many moments together that i mean maybe i'm a good of an actor to be able to act with a tennis ball for an entire year but i'm just really grateful that you know we had a professional there who could actually bring him to life and it was really really amazing what a cool experience Talking to other actors over the years and hearing people talk about their work in video games, video games has changed, right? Like it used to be more like animation. You'd go into a booth, you would record your lines and that would be it. But a lot of video games now, especially the AAA games like Star Wars Outlaws is going to be, you're doing mocap, you're going to be there physically and you get to do that. So you're stretching some of those more of those acting muscles that you would normally stretch. Oh, yeah. As you would, like, if you were on a set, I got to imagine that was probably, you know, at least a little bit more comfortable for you instead of just being in a booth. Like, I'm sure you would have done excellent at that as well. But like you said, being there and having somebody to bounce off of is was really helpful. Yeah. And I mean, I've been working with Ubisoft for a while now. I guess this is like my third or fourth game with them. So I've had the practice of being in the suit, wearing the helmet, all of the lights, like the technicality of being a motion capture performer, it comes naturally to me. It's not easy when we have new actors that have never been in that suit. It can be actually quite overwhelming and separates you or distracts you because you do have to kind of bypass and ignore a lot of the things that are going on and camera people all around you, but there are ghosts because they're not wearing the suits. So it's such a different movement in how motion capture versus film or TV works. But I do love it because you do get to create so much of it. And I think me coming from theater and having exercised that muscle a lot, it just kind of clicked for me. It was like second nature. The stance that you've created for Kay, like it's a badass stance. Was that? Yeah, she's got swagger. Did that just come naturally? (laughs) Was it like as soon as you got out there, you're like, yeah, no, this is how how Kay would stand. Totally. I mean, you know, she's super confident and there's something about her that's a, a little bit arrogant. You know, she says yes before she even knows what the dangers are. So she has to show that in her body. It's like she tries to convince herself she can do everything. And so it's like a power move. It's like nobody can mess with me. So she's always very much like chest up, proud. 
swagger, you know, like that was definitely uh, something I, I think I brought from day one and they must have loved it, picked it up and been like, yep, that's her. <laughs> what was it like when you saw the game footage? Cause like they premiered some of that last year for the first mm -hmm. time. Like, and I remember I started drooling, like this game looks amazing. Me and Andrew talked to like, we were super happy for you because, you know, like we've talked to you and it's, it's nice to see people that cool people like you get cool Aww. things. That must have been like a little surreal. Like, yeah, you've done some other stuff. Like, but it was it. me. You're, like, you're, when the you. trailer starts, it's my voice. And right. it's really like such an unreal moment that, yes, I did the work. I, you know, we shot the trailer, which was a separate thing from doing the mocap. Like, we actually shot the trailer here in Toronto in the Ubisoft studio here. And even watching it, it was just, I, I think I cried. I laughed. I was like in shock. Like, I couldn't believe it was even me. And it was really awesome to also watch, like, the gameplay and the trailer with the cast. There was a day where we all kind of got sat down and they showed us, like, each version of it. Like, we saw when it was, like, bare bones, when it was almost done, and then when it was finally done. And it was incredible, honestly. And the support that I've gotten from the team and my castmates that, you know, they're, they're just so lovely. And I was literally at the front glued to the screen. I think I was, like, the whole time. And I'm, like, crying. I'm, like, saying the lines with her, like, reacting to it. It was just... It's definitely a dream come true. I never thought that I would be uh, in this place in my career with the work that I'm doing, but I also know that it's not surprising in a way because I have taken the steps forward to be able to represent these franchises and in leading roles. You know, it isn't just like a side character. It's like, we're looking at you. And speaking right. of looking at you with that, is it a plus or a minus that because it's mocap, you didn't have to get Kay's feathered hairdo? Oh my gosh. Yeah, I guess so. I'm like, I don't know how it would look with bangs, but I do have shorter <laughs> hair now. Like, uh, so it kind of like works, but no, I don't know if I would get her hairdo. I'm good with a wig. There you go. There <laughs> so yeah, there's those pros and cons. But listen, if they're willing to do a live action of this, I was going to say, go. there you, you are go. with my hair. That's different. <laughs> That's different. You also did the most recent Avatar game. And I heard yeah, that, that you actually, well. that was all voiceover. I heard you yeah. like spoke perfect Navi. Oh my gosh. That was such a cool experience because not a lot of people get to learn the language and actually speak it. People will do certain words or maybe the accent. I got to do both. I got to speak English with a Navi accent and I got to speak full Navi. And yeah, that wasn't easy. But Paul, who literally like he created the language, he coached me. We went through the whole script. I got to sing in it. And he literally told me, he's like, you have a great Navi accent. I'm like, what an honor. I'm like, I will take that. It was really, really cool. Cause that's also another, you know, world that's been around for so long and to get to be a little piece of it and learn the language and where it comes from. It's got so much heart and soul and the game is awesome. Everything is coming up humbly. Like you're, you're, you're <laughs> touching all the big franchises, right? Like, just like doing all of it. Like, yeah, just a little bit of everything. I've always kind of done that. Just very versatile and we have to be multifaceted as artists. I'm like, I definitely had this fear when I first entered the industry that I was going to be kind of boxed in into a specific role or a specific type of character because of who I am, where I grew up and the languages that I speak. But I gotta say, it's been a pleasant surprise that I've gotten to do so many different things and I still have yet to play all of the things that I know I'm capable of. So you know, the world's my oyster. I'm like, what else is next? Let's go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You've yeah. you've covered a lot of ground, including this past Christmas, the first double female-led LGBTQ Hallmark Christmas movie. 
mm. Friends and Family Christmas. Yeah. Which uh, it got nominated for a Glad Media Award, right? No. Wild. This, this is crazy. So again, with this experience, like, are you happy that you got to be like in Hallmark's first double female led Hallmark? Yeah. Film? And to be honest, I had never really auditioned for Hallmark before. Their demographic was different. The people that they had inside of those roles were different. So when they reached out to me for this role, because it was a straight offer, they just really came to me and said, we would want you to lead us in this. It was such a moment of like, oh yeah, I guess they were watching too. I've played quite a few like impactful queer roles in my career. And again, an immense honor to be also like kind of breaking the mold and hopefully the first of many to be able to play this role. And then it gets nominated for an outstanding film. I mean, the team was amazing and my co-star Ali Lieber. It was such a fun time and bizarre that we filmed it during a strike because we were Canadian and it was in Vancouver. So there were like loopholes in all of this, of course. It was like but 14 days, right? In September? Yeah, we filmed these in no time. It was just like three weeks in and out and you know, three months later, it's out, premiered. There's like so much beautiful feedback and we get nominated and everything's just like happening so fast. And I was like, wow, I'm I'm really glad it lined up. And I think it was the right timing. All of my social media threads were like bombarded with people talking about this movie. So I yeah. can only imagine what your social feed was like. Totally. I mean, it was just wonderful because the queer community really came through and they felt seen, represented, loved. And that's all we wanted to do with it. it. You know, like Hallmark is about feel good. And that's what we wanted to do as well. It's like queer love deserves feel good too. Representation does matter, obviously. And as I said, I am super happy for you because everything that you're doing is- Mr. Green, are you happy for her? I'm not sure. You, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know I if think, you mentioned that in the, interview, <laughs> yeah. in the interview thus far, if no. you mentioned that. You know, oh, you know, Humberly, you. <laughs> I don't know if I've said it yet, but I am super happy for you. Right? <laughs> You've been so awesome to share your time with us over the years, you know, and you're a great person. And it's just, it's awesome to see all of this happening for you. You know, like some actors work into their fifties before they start getting like some of these bigger roles and some of this acclaim. And you're starting to rack it up at a, a relatively young age and you're like hitting it out of the park with that in mind. How do you kind of keep yourself grounded? I've definitely had to learn to navigate social media, navigate being considered a celebrity, what that means, like the responsibility that comes with being in the public eye. I think at the start, especially like around 2020 when Jenny and Georgia came out, it was extremely exciting and sometimes overwhelming because as I'm learning as a person, an artist, maybe I, I thought I had to be perfect, have it all together. And I was afraid that even when I fell short or I didn't have the right answer or something that fans were going to come at me and be like, no, you know, like I'm human too. And I'm learning. This is also very new for me. I don't even have my family here. So that's also a struggle. I'm grounded because I know what it took for me to get here, that the majority of my family is elsewhere. I'm an immigrant. I'm someone that, you know, worked extremely hard and came from barely anything to have so much of the dreams that I know a lot of people would want. I know a lot of my family back home they're so talented and they have so much to give, but they didn't get the opportunity that I had. So there's this fire inside of me because it's beyond me. It's for anybody who has this gift, but you have to have the opportunity. You have to have the chance. And I get to, I got to because I emigrated and I was able to start kind of a new life and, and learn this new world. So I don't think I'll ever lose that at the center of everything that I do, even though I'm in the public eye, 
I think you can ask any fan that I ever meet that stops me on the street or wants to talk to me that it's a very human interaction. And I want to remind people that at the center of all of it, it might look so luxurious from the outside and it's exciting and it's like dreams coming true, which is incredible. But I never want to lose my humanness and the fact that they too can achieve that. It's a mindset, it's it's effort, it's, you know, preparation meets opportunity. And there was a, a recipe in my life that somehow it all came together and I took it and I said, yes, fearlessly. I have an incredible team that supports me and they're like family, my friends who are family. <laughs> I know that's like the movie, but truly my community, my friends, the the people I surround myself with keep me really grounded because they are like you, extremely happy for me. And I feel the genuineness of that. The start of my career was really tricky to know like who to trust, who to lean on. And I lost people along the way. And I gained so much back. And I think, you know, now that I know myself a little better and I've been in this for a few years, I recognize the importance of mental health, making sure I have rest, making sure I take time away from what the media is and kind of regroup in my body and myself, you know, have the heart to hearts with the people that, you know, and, and then keep dreaming, keep dreaming bigger and just give it right back generously. Yeah. yeah those are all good things. The power of positivity, having good people around you, remaining grounded, that's why we like you, Humberly. You, you know, you're a good egg. You're it's not too egg. shabby. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But uh, last time we talked with you, of course, we talked about the horror film Horoscope. It's coming out this year. It's now Tarot. Yeah, Tarot. Saw the trailer for it. I was scared for all of you. I was like, yeah. each each person looked like they were gonna get fucked up hard. Oh, so fun when you get to do that in a movie, though. Yeah. Like, I love. Just being fucked up in movies i'm like yeah. it's the funnest you get to you know to to experience fear and be in it and like this movie is going to be so good we felt it when we read the script the team like our our directors anna halberg and spencer cohen are geniuses the reason i'm in this like i know it's because they truly believed in me i know they fought for me to be here and being in such a stellar cast again getting to you know film in serbia and have my first international project getting to work with screen gems which was a huge dream of mine i love horror and sony pictures they do it best like they're amazing they really just like create these stories and i've seen pretty much everything screen gems has done so to say that i get to do like my first like big like studio picture movie and we get to all go to the movie theater and get scared together dream like and then when it comes on streaming you can fall asleep to watching yourself get killed as well exactly <laughs> yeah. oh. Right? And I'm like, I know that's not real. I'm safe. Good night. Yeah. <laughs> Slightly off topic here, but I, I'm just curious now because you, you, you talked about falling asleep to horror movies and that's, you know, yeah. and that's, 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 it's odd, but super, still super cool. I still think it's crazy. You fall asleep to horror movies, but you're afraid of haunted houses, but that's just, I know. Yeah. That, but Hey, everybody's got their thing. One is on the screen. One is like surrounding me. Yeah. Right. <laughs> the best of me. That's <laughs> it. That's it. Yeah. Yeah, no, I, I'm with you, Humberly, yeah, for sure. But I, I'm curious about just this is a weird thing that I've been thinking about recently. So I, I'm going to ask you this. I'm going to pose this question to you. When you're watching TV, movies, whatever, right? Do you have a guilty pleasure that you just like, I got to watch this over anything else? Ooh. No matter, even if you know it's garbage, you just love watching it. I love watching Forgetting Sarah Marshall. <laughs> Something. <laughs> I think I've seen that movie so many times. And shark movies, end of the world are shark movies, like 47 meters down, 47 meters down on cage, like great shallows. 
yeah, again, they're kind of relaxing. I don't know. So what, what you need is a Jason Siegel comedy about a shark. <laughs> yes. Honestly, like lately I've been talking about this. So I used to live in Aruba. And when I was there, my hobby of choice was scuba diving. And I did all my certifications. I've done all of them, like night diving, deep diving, all of them. And I was like, I would love to do a diving movie, like, or something underwater. So I'm putting that out into the ether. And if we do another audition and you're talking to me about this moment right now, <laughs> the power of manifestation, I'm Good. blaming it. You are a master of manifestation. I've noticed that that's just like, there's a lot of times where you talk about stuff and then suddenly everybody's like, oh, she's doing that now. Wow. Okay. <laughs> you know, you're somebody that even with all the stuff you got going on, you still make time to go out and do fun things. You, every time I see like, you know, you, you're an active person, you're out there doing stuff with the slack line or things like that, yeah. or you're going to visit people at different events. This past week, you were at the opening of Mandy salads. Yeah. And I, I want to ask you, cause I know you're a big salad fan. What is the characteristics to make a perfect salad? What makes a perfect salad? Texture. You start with that, right? It can't just be all just lettuce. I am a big fan of adding some like crispy noodles or tortilla chips, add some nuts, sometimes like air fried chickpeas or something like that. Like something that you give it crunch and then you get your like kind of spicier ones like radish, shredded carrot. Like you can add so many things to a salad. You got to have something like brighter, right? So like a tomato or add fruit to it. And then, I mean, the vinaigrette, you kind of just, you know, as long as you have like oil and balsamic or something like that, you can add anything to it. But Oh, Mandy, so good. It's a Toronto brand and they started out, you know, two sisters in Montreal. It was their dream. And now this is like their third store opening, second one in Toronto. And they're so lovely. It was so nice. I'm like, I love going to a party. And the food is just a bunch of mini salads. I'm like, this is the dream. I had like four salads. So funny. Yeah. Well, I don't know. Green may have said it or not, but we're really happy for you. Can't I'm wait super to happy yeah. for you. That's we can't <laughs> wait to see... All of these projects coming out when the Star yeah. Trek film comes out, when the oh. Star Wars game, which I know a lot of people are really hungry and waiting for, when Tarot comes out in May, it's going to be great. And you've proven once again why you were Geek Hard's guest of the year. Oh, yay. <laughs> it's an honor. Thanks for having me. It's always actually really fun to, to chat. You always have good questions and you remember everything I say. Well, that's a credit to you for saying interesting things that get stuck oh, in my brain. Go. So two-way street. There, there we go. go. There yeah. we go. Hopefully, you know, you get out this weekend and enjoy the lovely weather we're having here in Toronto. I know. I might take my dog for like a third walk now. I'm like, what else is there to do? I'm like, why not? It's Friday. There you <laughs> go. Like no, luckily I'm not filming today. Next week is full on, but I'm like, I got uh, some days off, which is nice. Yeah, some rest and relaxation before you're yeah. back to the grind of traveling the cosmos with Michelle Yeoh. So there you go. <laughs> She's so wonderful. I love her. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you so much for talking with us today, Humberly. Thank you so much. Have a great day. <laughs> and of course, Star Wars Outlaws is coming out sometime this year. So all those Star Wars gaming fans, something to look forward to. And this May, Tarot hits theaters. So a lot of cool Humberly stuff coming out, but we can't wait to see what happens. And uh, if you yeah. didn't catch that, Mr. Green is very happy for her. Very happy. But also, uh, just as a reminder, that was recorded a week ago when the weather yeah. was nicer here. And the weather is not nice now. Yes. No. Yes. No. Still not. It's still not horrible. It's, it's not, not horrible. It's, yeah. It's a. It's. It's not, it's not the it East is, Coast. No. It's a winter that we can handle 
here in yeah. Toronto, but we just were having such a non-winter that to now have winter was like, ah, damn. But yeah, I, only, I, well, I think it's only the third time it snowed this year. So yeah, pretty much. We shouldn't complain. No. Um. So yeah. So although we should probably because of global warming, but that's a different story. Oh yeah, yeah. We should complain about other things. Yes, we should focus. Yes. On what we should do to correct the situation, uh, but of course, uh, Humberly coming out in some great things, and she was a great guest, Geek Cards guest of the year. Uh, we're going to take a commercial break. When we come back, we're going to be giving our review of Madam Web. Of course, send your email reviews in at geekardshow at gmail.com. We'll read them live on the air. We've already got a few. So when we come back, we'll be reading your emails and giving our review of Madam Web right here, Geek Card Reality Radio 101. When you used to go to the comic shop and browse through the stacks, picking up comic after comic, talking to your fellow customers and the store owner about what books you should buy. What kind of outside people daywalker nonsense are you talking about? I don't go outside. Well, thank goodness for Back Issue Bloodbath with Andrew Young and Petula Neal. When we talk about comics old and new. Mostly old. But sometimes new. Every Wednesday, new episodes drop at geekartshow.com or wherever you catch your pots. Check it out and have yourself a good. Welcome back to D-Card right here on Reality Radio 101. And now back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome back to D-Card, folks. Andrew Young and Mr. Green here. In just a moment, we're going to be giving our review of Madam Web, currently in theaters. But first, we're going to review email. Sorry. We're going to read some of your emails and your reviews of the film. Of course, if you want to send an email in, send it to geekardshow at gmail.com. We'll read it live on the air. If you want to just say, hey, give a review or ask a question, you send it our way. Here's the first one from William S. who says, to the geeks, good interview with Humberly. Liked Madam Web. No rating, but an okay film. Enjoy the popcorn. Hello to that old man guy. Are somebody talking about me? Yeah, but the people have spoken. All right, well... uh you guys find out what that, that William S. guy's up to. Oh, hello yeah. to that guy. You. Hello, you. All right, thanks, old man. Uh, be well, my geeks. William finishes off with. Now, our next one. Kelly T. writes, hey, geeks. Hey, again, geeks. A five for the film. And we've got Lenora C. Hello, geek hard. My rating for Madam, a six plus. Pretty good plot. So, so actors, but it kept my interest. We love your radio show. Thanks. Well, thank you, Lenora. I, we love you too. In a totally respectful way. Yes. Yes. Our next one here is from Bart C who says, hello to the geeks. Madam Webb was good. Decent acting except Dakota Johnson. She sucks. Love you guys. Hey to the old man. 
Hey, hey, see, that's two now. Yeah, see, man. I continue to be the draw. That's that's what it it's is. Only two people. Two. That's that's fifty percent of your emails tonight, right there. That's that's like a crowd. Oh, that, that's how we're doing. New math. Old New man math. math. Old man math. This is how we used to do it back in uh, the Roman uh, times. You know? uh, It'd be yeah. like, oh, there's two people there that committed a crime, killed everybody. All right. Uh, hello. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, I, uh, I agree with you. Hello. You didn't have to agree with them, old man. Well, you know, he's saying hello, so I'm saying hello back. Hello. All right. So let's get into our review of Madam Webb. In theaters, directed by S.J. Clarkson, written by Clarkson, Matt Zama, Burke Sharpless, and Claire Parker, based on comic book characters created by Denny O'Neill, John Romita Jr., J. Michael Straczynski, John Byrne, Raphael Kayanen, Jim Shooter, Mike Zek, Fiona Avery, and Mark Brooks. Everybody. A lot of, a lot of characters. Produced by Diana Benventura Pictures and Marvel Entertainment and distributed by Columbia Pictures here to read the synopsis is uh, a man that uh, usually comes on here. He's got uh, a very, let's say, big personality, uh, but also is a resident New Yorker, our good friend Jimmy the Shorter to Cook. Yonkers represent. You know, anytime you guys do a film about New York, you should ask me. Well, that's that's why we're. Kind of that's why, yeah, that's kind of what we're doing here. Yeah. Yeah. Well, no, sometimes you forget. That's all I'm saying. Oh, we can't forget you, bro. All right. So this Cassandra Reb, right? She's a New York, uh, she, she's a New York metropolis pad, paramedic who begins to demonstrate signs of clairvoyance. I dated a woman like that before and realizes she can use that insight to change the future. Forced to confront revelations about a past. She forges a rep relationship with three young women bound for powerful destinies if they can all survive a deadly present. Well, you know, sometimes you live in New York, you know, it's a deadly present finds you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's New York. It's New York. That's right. It's a tough town. It is a tough town. That's why you're not here, eh? I don't need to be there. Oh, well, it's a good thing you're not. You wouldn't last a day. You wouldn't last a day. Well, then I would just move to Yonkers. Oh, oh, yeah. You come to Yonkers, you'll find out, you know? Come to Yonkers and you'll find out. That's all I got to say tonight. I'm done with this. Maybe I'll see you next week. Fuck it. And there he goes. All righty. So. Poke that bear. Poking the bear. Speaking of poking <clears throat> the bear, uh, what'd you think about him wet? Well, <clears throat> um yeah it's yeah. a movie it's a movie yeah. yes it's a movie. it is it's got people in it they uh they say words they the they... soundtrack's nice oh man brought me back totally yeah. brought me back um no okay so yeah all all kind of jokes aside this film it's not good it's the film not... takes place in 2003 and they made it like a superhero film that would come out in 2003. Yeah. And, and that's both fun sort of, but also not a good plan. Cause mm. let's face facts, uh, movies back then, specifically superhero movies, um, not always good. There yeah. were some exceptions. Um, although we both, me and you disagree on one of those said films. Cause I like Spider-Man too. You do not, but that's fine. 
but um it yeah it's it's got it's got a vibe and that vibe is inconsistent throughout the entire film and i think that's my biggest problem with this film it's not that i hated the performances or i hated necessarily the storyline or like this is again a film of missed opportunities that i i think with some more work and some more polish there could have been some something that comes out of this um i always thought it was weird to do a madam web film anyways yeah. you know especially when it's because of what's going on with the sony situation that it's separate from marvel and spider-man sort of kind of but not really but it is all at the same time um like apparently there were some reshoots that took out some spider-man stuff that dealt yeah with- the the deal right now between marvel and sony is kind of odd where it's kind of like marvel saying yeah we're gonna keep making the uh the tom hollandy type spider-man stuff but we don't want you to fuck that up sony so don't mention spider-man in your spider-man movies yeah, they were apparently they were going to have like or at least mention the Garfield or and or the yeah. Wire universe. Yeah, yeah. And, or have scenes from it or something. And that's fine. That's that's super cool. Uh, like the, the, the actually Tobey Maguire would have made total sense at that time period. And uh, um, it just but they didn't do that. And like the fact like Ezekiel, we've had this conversation off air, like Ezekiel is a Spider-Man character. Right. Here's okay. I just want to jump in and say, Stephen King once said every character has an origin story. Most of them are boring. The problem is, is that they're trying to do five characters' origin stories and technically a sixth one in this movie. If this okay, if this film was put together now, because I'm telling you what happened, you. few years back when they started conceiving this film, it was going to be a Spider-Woman film. They probably said, we want to do a Spider-Woman film. Somebody said, no, no, we can't do a Spider-Woman film. Then nobody's going to want to see a Spider-Woman film. Let's make, let's bring in a character, a side character that we can bring in a bunch of other characters with. And that's what they did with this Madam Web story. Because Madam Web, she's the star of this movie, but Madam Web is a side character. Oh, yeah. She's an old woman in a wheelchair that would give clairvoyance and help out Spider-Man and some of the other heroes. That was her thing. If they were to pitch the thing now and say, we want to do a Spider-Woman film, Sydney Sweeney signed on, they say, oh, yeah, sure, no problem, because now she's a proven commodity. But when she signed on for that film back then, she wasn't her name yet. Ezekiel Sims is a character that J. Michael Straczynski created, brought in infinite possibilities to Spider-Man's universe, and then he fucked him and turned him into just a random villain. This movie basically skipped the part that was good and went right to the random villain. <laughs> it's such a weird choice. You know, it's like the only thing I could say is because I, 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 I could make an argument that Ezekiel might still be alive at the end of this film, right? It's hard to say because they're following early 2000s superhero tropes. Um, but they could bring him back. But honestly, I was not really super impressed with Tahar's performance as Ezekiel. Mm. Like I thought he had a good look and everything. And, yeah. I you know- think all the actors were bringing not their best performances in this film. And I, I think the script and the direction didn't serve them in this. The, film. Now, uh, Sweeney Merced and, uh, O'Connor, I think together that trio 
does some interesting things at times, but not enough. Yeah. Then it gets... they, they, they needed more, but yeah. they had, they had a little something. And that was like, I was like, Oh, okay. It like Dakota, Dakota's. Uh, okay. I have seen Dakota act in things where I actually like her. Like I saw that film at, uh, at TIFF this past year. I told you about the one with her and, uh, uh um, uh, greatest actor of our time. Um, or not that. Sean no. Penn? Yeah. Sean Penn. <laughs> You know, um, the two of them, the, the one where they're in the cabbie, right? Or the, in the cab, the whole time, that's the whole movie, right? It's just okay, the two yeah. of them. Yeah. She does a great performance in that. I, you know, I didn't really like dig the movie totally, but she's really good in that. Uh, I've seen her a few other things. I liked her here. She's okay. First of all, she's playing a very unlikable character. So she's playing this weird, like Sandra Webb is a very awkward person. Doesn't like people, doesn't know how to be around people, you know, they're, and they're kind of like, because she was in the foster. I'm like, what does that have to do with the foster system? Right. Like what, 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 yeah, yeah. but you can't form relationships in a foster set. Like that's bullshit right there. Um, and, uh, what's his nuts as uh, uncle Ben, Adam Scott, Adam Scott. Yeah. Weird choice. Very but not, weird choice. Not, well, not, also, not, but I didn't hate it. Well, see, I just thought it was just weird. It was, I, I, I thought it was weird that they put it in 2003. I thought it was weird that they decided they wanted to make this a semi prequel to the Spider-Man universe. I thought all their choices made no fucking sense. It's like they just took a bunch of characters and ideas, threw them in a bowl, spun them around, and spat out a movie. It's really, like, it's not, here's the thing. It's not like, a, oh, my God, this is so bad. It's a, this is a really boring film with characters that are way more interesting than they're being used in this film. The only thing I could say out of coming out of this, and I, I'm, I'm going to be, for those of you who like this film, you know, or even middling like this film is what we've written in so far. I don't like cool that you liked it or yeah. kind of liked it. That's cool. You know us. We we don't care about that. You know, everybody's got their. Yeah, everybody's out. allowed to like or dislike whatever yeah. they like or dislike. Just like just like me and Andrew, right? We don't always agree on stuff, but yeah, I hate Spider Man too. Yeah, and I I I think it's the best one, but that's beside the point. Here's the thing. Of of those those three films, yeah, those, I know you were qualified. Yes, the Tom Holland ones are much better. But anyways. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, that's a whole different story. Yeah, uh, no, but uh, I I I look at this, and if now if out of this they said yes, we want to do Sydney Sweeney, you know, a film with her or Isabella or Celeste or the three of them together or independently or something like that, and rework something and do that and dump Dakota or make Dakota truly what she should be, which is a side character. Okay, maybe with in a better, better some some better writer's hands, they could maybe make this work. That mm. would be fantastic. But right now, mm, no. So you're saying you're saying people should skip it. Wait till fucking Deadpool comes out because that's going to be the superior MCU film. Yeah, I'm going to say skip it as well. Or or wait till X Men '97 in like four weeks. There we go. Yes, you don't have to leave the house for that one. Definitely. No. All right. Well, you've heard it from us. Skip it. We're going to take a yes. commercial break. When we come back, we'll be talking with Cara Martin of Black Community Mixtapes right here, Geek Card, Reality Radio 101. Want to advertise on Geekard and be heard by thousands of listeners? It's easy. It's simple. It's fun. Email us at geekardshow at gmail.com. 
for information on our advertising packages today. Welcome back to Geek Card right here on Reality Radio 101. And now back to your geeks, Andrew Young and Mr. Green. Welcome back to Geek Card. Andrew and Mr. Green here. Now we're wrapping up with our final guest of the evening. She is a documentary filmmaker. Uh, she's uh, a singer-songwriter, an actor, and a host. And she's the host of Black Community Mixtapes, a series that uh, debuted on City TV this past fall and just recently won the Silver Anthem Award at uh, the Anthem Award ceremony that happened back at the end of January for um, film, video, television, or show category. Please welcome to the program, Cara Martin. Hi. Hi, Cara. How's it going? I'm good. How are you guys? Doing pretty good. Doing pretty good. Excellent. Thanks. Uh, Got a chance uh, these past couple weeks to check out Black Community Mixtapes. Of course, it's available through the uh, City TV Plus app that uh, you can get through Amazon. Or if you are a cable subscriber, you can go to the City TV website and watch it there. Um, such an interesting show and one that I feel like it's amazing when you're like, this show should have been around a long time ago. Yes. And we sh- yeah, we should be getting this information in our schools. For people who haven't had a chance to check it out, what's the show all about? So Black Community Mixtapes is an in-depth look at Canadian culture and Canadian history, specifically in Ontario. It's a six-part docuseries, and you follow me as I uncover history in a really special and particular way. So we talk about hip-hop and the birth of Caravana, and we talk about, you know, photography as a way of capturing civil rights in Canada, which a lot of people don't know about that. So I'm just really excited and happy that we have a show like this now. Yeah. Cause you know, when I, when I hear the the concept of the show and then, you know, when you think about it, it's, you're like, well, shouldn't we already know a lot of these things, but we don't. And, yeah. and why is that? And of course there's a bigger conversation that can come out of that. Of course, you know, your the reaction that you've heard back on the show has it been a lot of you know like hey thank you for sharing these stories we're glad to see this or was it a lot of like holy crap i didn't even know this yeah i mean even i learned so much from this show in terms of at the very very beginning stages when we were creating just the proof of concept sizzle i had done a lot of the research for the show and that's like how i was got onto the project and how i fell in love with it And just some of the misinformation that's out there and the fact that we were able to kind of correct that misinformation through doing our own research was really astonishing. And it just made me realize that a lot of our history, specifically Black history, is in the crates. It's in the basements and the garages of people. We don't have proper archival methods. So I'm hoping that this is the beginning of that, that this does become, you know, everyday history. Yeah, no, because, like, again, if you do Google searches, you get misinformation all the time. Like, if you look up on Google, was there every, ever slavery in Canada? It'll say no, and it's like, no, that's not thing. true. 
Yeah, that was the first thing. So when I was doing the research, I Googled just was there slavery in Canada. And when the no popped up, and I know that there was, I was shocked. Mm-hmm. I was like, who like who is putting this out there? And if you're a kid and you're doing, you know, a school project and, you know, it's Black History Month and you Google it and you think Google is is the tool and that you know, the information that it's giving you is correct, but now we know that it's not. And so that's why shows like Black Community Mixtapes, it's so wonderful that we won the Silver Anthem Award for education. And like, I would love for it to be, I mean, I'm dating myself now, but kind of like a Bill Nye the Science Guy where you roll in the TV. I mean, I don't know what they do now. I guess all the kids have iPads, so. Yeah, I guess so. I, yeah. They all press play at the same time. I don't know. But when I was in school, when the TV yeah. rolled in and I heard Bill, Bill, I was like, yes, it's going to be a great day and I'm going to learn in a fun way. So well, even just when the TV rolled in. It was just, yeah. that was a great <laughs> day. Yeah. Day, I was like, <laughs> yes, I was so happy. And so I hope that, you know, kids are going to get excited when the projector scrolls down. It's like, okay, now we're going to watch black community mixtapes, you know? So I'm excited for that. Yeah, definitely. Like that was the thing watching the show. Like I, I live in Toronto. And so like, I knew about the, the work that they're doing at uh, a different book list and stuff like that. That was very cool. But then I had no idea that at the Shoppers Drug Mart at Young Dundas Square, there's the Friars Music Museum. That was, I was like, oh, shit, I got to go check that out. That's pretty (laughs) cool. It was so cool looking at all the different monuments. Even when we were doing a lot of the beginning filming, we were at one of the very first black churches in Toronto that is still there to this day. And just getting to, like, walk around and see all the history that's still there but you don't know about and that you pass every day you don't really think about or realize who was standing in this very same place that I was 200 years ago and how did those people get here so it just it's really cool to just think about oh yeah totally and uh of course you mentioned you started out as like a writer researcher for the proof of concept for this and you ended up becoming the host of the show when was it that the the producers of the show decided oh we want you to actually be the host of it Yeah, I was really interested. I also act as well. And I'm also a filmmaker. So I was hired on behind the scenes. And they kind of just kept giving me different opportunities. I was hosting um, a lot of different things for Oya Media Group at the time. And so I was doing really well in that space. And we were kind of growing together. And so they kept giving me opportunities. I kept, you know, like killing it. And so they asked me, they're like, look, you're no one's going to be as passionate about this stuff as you and no one's going to know the material as well as you do. So would you like to host? And it was just such a great opportunity. I'm so glad. Yeah. It just, the more, every time I think about this and the more listening to you talk about all of this, like it's great to hear the passion and all that stuff. And I got to imagine that not only like with, even within the community itself, but like, but then as a broader aspect, you know, for other Canadians who are completely you know, oblivious to this, right? Like it's, it's kind of eye-opening and important that it isn't just uh, the black community that is reminded of these facts that, but also the rest of us need to know this. Cause like you said, like you look at them in Google and I, like, I remember going to school. I never, I used to always think there was no racism in Canada. That was just, that was the, my experience. And then it was like, as I got older and I learned things and learned about things in the past and, you know, it it blew my mind. I was like, wow, this is why, why didn't we talk about this? But it's that kind of sanitized history, you know? And uh, I assume that, you know, that was kind of the, a lot of the behind the scenes here is we want to kind of, you guys wanted to take that veil away. Yeah. I think the show is called black community mixtapes, but what is so great about it is that black history is Canadian history. And that is the focus that 
you know, one day we're going to get to a, a point where we are able to look at all of the different cultures that make up Toronto and Ontario and Canada and treat all the different cultures and their histories equally and learn about them equally in, you know, an education space. I think that was the point of being like, yes, this is Black history, but why it's important is because it's Canadian history. And this is the stuff that still affects our culture and also shapes our culture today. You know, why there is you know, Caravana every year. So th like different things yeah. like that. So, yeah. And it's and obviously it's not just about the darker sides of things. It's also about that celebration of yeah. what, the, what the culture yeah. has done. Like, you know, like you said, Caravana is a great festival. Like, you know, it, it's huge. It, it brings in millions of dollars into Toronto every single yeah. year. And it's a, a huge celebration. And it's, it, you cannot be anywhere near this city and not know when Caravana is happening. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> You know, and like back in the day, I used to be, I think it was on university. That was something I didn't even know. And I had been playing mass since I was like three years old. I think there's a picture of me in the show, like as like a little baby and I'm playing mass. But I didn't know that it, like now it's on Lakeshore, but they used to just go up and down university. And that's how it is in other countries. It's like literally if you're in Brazil or if you're in Trinidad, the whole country shuts down or that part of the city shuts down to celebrate and, you know, be in celebration of this. And it would just be so cool if when it was these different things, like even during like Chinese New Year or whatever, like we all just shut down and took time to really celebrate the different cultures that we have. No, totally. Yeah. Like we're, we're a multicultural city here in Toronto, but there, it would be great if we did even more mixing of those cultures, like actually getting involved in all the different cultural events. Totally. I agree with you on that. Uh, now, as you mentioned, you know, aside from just, you know, being the host of the show, you're a filmmaker, you're an actor, you're a singer songwriter, you do it all. And, uh, too much, too much. <laughs> and you've also got a, a immersive art exhibit coming up, uh, at February 24th. Oh my goodness. Yeah. So, um, this is so funny. Thank you for, for saying that. Um, that kind of came on a whim, but really was birthed through black community mixtape. So as I said, I was hired back in 2019. I've been attached to the show for like five years. That's when I started doing the research wow. for the show. And so that's what really sparked my interest for archiving Black history. And so when it moved from me archiving and researching Black history to hosting the show about it, and then the opportunity came for me to archive a piece of my history and the people who are around me, who I see every day, and make that into a visual piece of art, I was like, sure, why not? And so I'm really excited for that. It's called, my specific art piece is called uh, Generations, and it's just archiving the you know, Afro diasporic experience in Toronto and Canada. But really the point of the exhibit is that you look at all of these different people and it spells out generations. And really this could, this looks like it could be one big family. There are probably about eight different families in the piece, but when you look at it, it, it could just be like, that could be your uncle. That could be your grandfather. And what is so cool is that when I was even making the piece in the studio, in the art studio, and people were just walking in, they're like, what are you doing? And I'm like, oh, I'm doing this thing. And people would engage with it as I was making it. And they were like, oh, that looks like my uncle so-and-so. And then they would just start telling a story about their family. And I thought that was so beautiful to just learn about, you know, people in that way, in that engaging way that they felt connected to this piece, just because it looked like somebody that they knew. And that's really the point of the Peace Generations at the, it's going to be at the Clark Center. We're having our opening on February 24th from 1 to 3. Um, Black um, Emerging 
Filmmakers Canada, BC, they are the ones that are putting it on. And so I'm just really excited to have different people, different Canadians engage with the piece and, you know, just talk about their stories. Yeah, definitely. The Black Frequency Immersive Art Exhibit is happening February 24th, 1 to 3. Um, now, I also got a chance to check out some of your music videos. Really enjoy uh, The Water, and I enjoyed Scars. And I know that Scars, <laughs> Scars, you also directed that music yes. video. The end, you brought her an interesting character, the janitor. <laughs> yes. And watching that made me go like, oh, this would actually, it'd be cool to see your music, like, like almost like a, a cabaret show where you bring out characters like that in between the songs Maybe. and stuff. That would be so funny. You know what? That was inspired by Raven Simone. She played the janitor on That's So Raven, Raven Baxter. Yeah. And I just wanted to do something that was just like super fun and, you know, hilarious and like kind of brought all of the different aspects of who I am together, like the singing and the acting and the directing. Um, not many people know, but I actually also sang or rapped the theme song for Black Community Mixtapes. So that is my voice. Um, and I wrote the theme song. And so I it, it doesn't sound like me because, you know, it's kind of like a boom bap type of um, beat. But yeah, that was a lot of fun as well. Yeah, it's a good song. It's a catchy theme song, definitely. Now, of course, also, as I mentioned, you're a filmmaker. You've done uh, a couple of different documentary shorts and stuff like that. But uh, you're working on a narrative film. You're trying to get Scarborough's Love made, right? Yes, I am. So uh, what's that all about? Love is a is my um feature romance dramedy. It's loosely based on my parents' love story. So they met in Scarborough when they were um 16 years old when, when my dad crashed my mom's house party, and they've been together ever since. And so it's kind of like a playoff of Romeo and Juliet, except for this time you have, instead of the Capulets and Montagues, you have the Jamaicans versus the Trinidadians. And for those who are from Scarborough, they know what that means, especially when you also have the um, people from Malvern versus Galloway, which are two rival neighborhoods in Scarborough. Mm. And so it's really cool. It's set in 1985. So it's super nostalgic. Think Stranger Things, but without the aliens. And so I'm really excited for it. Hopefully we get funding to be able to bring it to life. Yeah, yeah, no, it sounds like a great idea, really. Yeah. And I, I like the fact that it's a, a personal story as well. <laughs> All the stories I make are really personal. And I think that's just like the touch that, you know, I, like I'm always going to create stories that mean something to me. I think that's what sets me apart because when you make stories that anybody could make it, then it's like, well, why you, you know? But if I'm just like, look, I'm going to tell this 1985 romance story of these like Trinidadians and Jamaicans and the accents are going to sound right. Like that's the personal touch that I, I know I can assure that. Authenticity. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> that's fantastic. Now nice. bringing it back to black community mixtapes to finish it off here. Of course, the show like this wouldn't have been possible if it wasn't for people providing the, the films and uh, old photo albums and documents and magazines that they've kept in their basements, in their houses uh, are you hoping that uh, a show like this will get more people in the community to bring out these pieces of vital information? Absolutely. That is one of the original goals that we had was kind of bringing awareness to the fact that we need a national black museum and not even black, but a national Afro diasporic museum. You know, there are over 220 subcultures of the African diaspora, and I'm sure there's so much history that are in people's like basements and garages that they haven't uncovered. A lot of the Carabana footage that we used was actually things that I found in my grandfather's basement. And so he had, he has over, I want to say 50 VHS tapes of Carabana. He would only let me touch 10 of them. 
and like we took them and we had to actually clean them properly and thank god we were able to save the footage and digitize them but when i think about that like there was so much unseen footage of caravana just sitting in my grandfather's basement and like that's one person and so i can't imagine all of the history that's out there that people aren't thinking of like he's you know 70 something years old he's not thinking about digitizing he's like what's a digital like he's not yeah. thinking in that way it, even when i explained to him what yeah. i was doing with it he's just like i don't know what you're saying am i gonna get this back and i'm like yeah you can get it back and it's, it can go back in like the closet that it was in sure but you know i'm gonna preserve this so we can have this forever and so i really hope it's really up to the younger generation it's up to us to say hey grandpa hey grandma hey you know great aunt and uncle i'm gonna take this and i'm going to modernize it so that we can keep this piece of history forever because when it stays in those places it gets destroyed because yeah, a lot of definitely. people are taught how yeah because yeah, this show scratches the surface and i i really want people to, to definitely check it out and for all you kids out there definitely watch the hip-hop episode because yes drake is not the first canadian hip-hop artist no like come on you got maestro you got the dream warriors you got uh Chuck Claire, you got uh, Rascals. I could basically break down Northern yep. Trust and name off a bunch of them. But yep. <laughs> you know, it's like what I hear when some kids says, oh, Drake's the first Canadian rapper. I'm like, no, we have such a cool uh, history of rap here, you know? Yeah. Oh, so it's man. just so cool to that people are finally like tapping into that. Well, really not like the older generation knows, but the younger yeah. generation. Yeah, so. that's what I'm saying. The kids got to watch it. Yeah, kids got to watch it. The older generation's got to watch it. This is a great show. Definitely check it out. It's available on the CTV Plus app uh, through Amazon Prime. And if you're a cable subscriber, you can go to CTV.com to check it out. Kara, I want to thank you so much for coming on the program. Thank I you. really hope that you get to make Scarborough's love. And if you do, we want to have you back on to talk about it. Yes, absolutely. And uh, yeah, really looking forward to more people checking out Black Community Mixtapes and everything else you got going on. Well, thanks so much, Andrew and James, and thank you for having me on the Geek Card. No problem. Have yourself a great night. Bye. Bye, Kara. So that was Kara Martin. Uh, as I said, back Black Community Mixtapes, you can check it out through City TV, uh, either through Amazon Prime, or if you're a cable subscriber, you can check it out on On Demand or on their website. Mr. Green, we come yeah. to the end of the program. Tell yeah, the folks where they can find us. Uh, yeah, just before I do that, I just want to say as a reminder to everyone, Google is not the only answer. Just yeah. it's just remember that. Yeah. Dig deeper. Dig deeper, friends. And if you want to dig deeper into us, the best place you could do that is go over at patreon.com slash geekard. For everybody who participates right now, thank you guys ever so much. It's also as a reminder, one of the only places you'll find archive stuff of our older shows now because just because, you know, well, money. Uh <laughs> It's just that's that works out. So if you want to hear older stuff, that's there and other interviews and specials. Uh, we've got those on there. You can also find additional content through YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook and Pinterest. Yes, even Pinterest. Search Geek Card Show on any of those platforms and you'll find us there. Of course, check out our website, geekcardshow.com for more news, reviews and the podcast version of this very show available on Mondays after 2 p.m. But if you are super forgetful like I am and you just you can't remember to do anything the best way to ensure you hear us if you don't listen live is to do what andrew subscribe to us on your podcasting platform of choice it's just simple as that yeah boom easy super simple and as always if you want to continue the conversation with us email us geekardshow at gmail.com i want to thank humberly gonzalez and cara martin for coming on the program for mr green and for you're in the booth this is andrew young saying if you're gonna geek out you might as well geek hard on reality radio 101 <laughs> Yeah, we're gardening some value. Yeah. We can barter.
Thank you for listening to Geek Card with your host, Andrew Young, and Mr. Green right here on Reality Radio 101.